0: Hello, welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear, and I am your host. The Electric Theory's mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We feel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Today's guest is Caleb Crutchfield. He was born and raised in central Oklahoma. He has a Bachelor's of Arts degree from Oklahoma Baptist University and a Master's in Divinity degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Caleb met his bride of 15 years, Lindy Jo, during seminary through a church internship in Fort Worth, Texas. Today, they live with their three sons in Richardson, Texas. Caleb has an eclectic work background and co-founded a faith-based nonprofit called Collaborate Good. Collaborate Good services co-working locations on mission to connect people and values to everyday decisions. Their primary program is called Conversations Matter, which is a monthly lunch discussion forum for co-working friends to think bigger and connect deeper in their workplace. At the heart of Collaborate Good, it is the desire for meaningful connection that invites conversation about what is good in every aspect of life. These conversations lead us to consider our deepest beliefs and values that guide us to the good life we all want that also produces good for others. Please help me welcome to the show, Caleb Crutchfield.
1: You have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard.
0: I'm here to talk about success. I am so honored to get to sit down with Caleb Crutchfield today. Caleb, thank you so much for joining the hot seat.
1: I love it. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course. Well, I am very curious about some of your background in history that I don't know about myself. We met through Conversations Matter, which I'm sure we'll get into here a little bit. But if you don't mind, walk us through the history of you coming out of college, you have an interesting background just even within that that I mentioned in your bio. If you don't mind speaking on that and just kind of what that life looked like and where it got you to where you are today.
1: Wow. Yeah, thank you. Um, I hope this is interesting to your listeners. Yes. So uh, my background is uh, from central Oklahoma, blue-collar family, hardworking family, really grateful for all the sacrifices I've you know, received from my Parents Mm -hmm. and that work ethic they put in me. I went to Oklahoma Baptist University, and I was sensing this direction in life to be a a people server. Um, uh, Christian ministry was kind of that track that I was on, and yet I didn't know if I was going to be in uh, church staff. I didn't know what I was necessarily. The outcome was going to be
0: Christian household. I assume I did. Yes, Christian
1: household. uh, Christian parents. And uh, I lived in Central Oklahoma, so Oklahoma Baptist University is very close. I had lots of family members who had gone there, so I, I knew it was going to help me think regardless of my actual degree. They have a great unified studies program. It's a liberal arts university. They help you become a thinker, and it comes from the framework of the Christian worldview. And so I, I was being trained to think as a young adult uh, in undergraduate programs uh, at at OBU, and I had some great internships through that process, and it kind of led me to want to do more education. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to uh, Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth to get a master's in divinity. Uh, I thought that the questions about God and life and humans and the the problems with humans, the problems with the world, the solutions to those problems, what makes life meaningful, how do you really find peace in the midst of... um, you know, the chaos of the world, yeah. um, those are existential questions. And I felt like the Christian worldview did have the best answers to those questions. And so I kind of kept going down that track. And yet I always really respected my friends who believed differently about those things. Yeah. And I loved learning from them in that process
0: were of conversation. Were you surrounded by growing up? Were you surrounded by a lot of peers that, weren't Christians and didn't have the same beliefs as you?
1: I felt like I've always had some significant friends that believe differently. Yeah. I've I've been very fortunate to have friends that did believe the same about Jesus and, and encouraged me in my love for Jesus and following Him um, and submitting to Him in all these different areas of life. But I felt like I had lots of friends who also, you know, believed very differently. Sure. Either they even— they might have even grown up at the same church, but ended up moving in different directions in life and in belief systems. But uh, the more study um, I gave to thinking through those big questions and wrestling with those questions with friends, because they were they were honest enough questions that you know I wrestle with those too. I just felt like Jesus had more compelling things to say about mm-hmm. those. Issues. And so I just kept down that path, and um, I've had great opportunities to serve in local church uh, staff positions. Uh, ended up interning at a church in Fort Worth. That's where I met my wife. She was interning mm-hmm. with uh, students, and I was interning with young adults at the time. And um, um, really, I had this crazy idea before my wife and I started dating. I think we might not have even had met at this point. It was... Um, 2006, I saw some notes before we launched the organization um, Collaborate Good that I serve now. It had this crazy idea of what if we were to create space for people with these different beliefs to ask honest questions, not in a uh, argumentative form, not that an argument Mm -hmm. is bad. It's when the argument becomes, I guess unwilling to see the other side yeah. to argue a point is actually a good thing. It's a good thought exercise and you're bringing your best um, points and reasoning to the table. We all want to think well, yeah. but it's when it becomes a belligerent argument or, or a lack of uh, empathy or understanding or willingness to learn from each other uh, that that can, that argument can get out of hand but a place where people can think, can push on each other, can reason out things, can sh- share where they have a lot of overlapping cares and concerns, and and, and yet also look at the distinctions and, and their differences mm-hmm. in those regards, right? That happened in 2006. We launched Collaborate Good in 2019. So I had had some staff positions before that. Um, I had had a church planting kind of heart and emphasis in my seminary education. We were part of a church plant. I love inviting people into those types of conversation. I care about people that have questions. And um, and then I got to work with an organization that did exactly that. They invited people into these things that they called an open forum. Uh, it's an organization called Search Ministries. And I just I felt like I found my place with these people. Um men and women that were incredibly skilled at inviting deeper conversations with people, keeping a discussion going and interesting and looking at the major objections that people might have with the Christian worldview specifically. And um, through that experience, that was between um, 2016 and 2019. Okay. Okay. I was with them, uh, really it's about, is two years. So it's the the end of 2016 is when I started to connect with them and, and interview with them. So it's 2017 through 19 is where I was um, with that organization. And I wanted to take these conversations further. And right. I was looking for younger audiences to to engage. And I didn't think young professionals were going to engage with the same questions that this organization was using
0: that last organization was a church group.
1: It was a uh, it would be considered a missionary organization, okay. uh, a relational evangelism organization. People familiar with Young Life, that's more mm-hmm. high school focused. Um, Crew is a organization for college campuses, relational uh, focused evangelism. Yeah, I care about people thinking well, and some people have an adverse. Posture towards evangelism, right? You want to change people's minds about right. Jesus, and like, let's let's be honest. We all want to change people's minds to agree with us, yeah. right? We we have our views because we think they're good, right? And so that's really one of the reasons why we call our organization collaborate. Good, inviting those conversations about what is good, um, really deepens the conversation pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think most people in our culture have this naive view that. No, I'm I'm really okay that people can believe different things. No, we aren't, especially when they conflict with what we think is good. Right? There's a distinction there, there's a clash there of values. And we're not okay that that people just hold those mm-hmm. clashing, differing uh beliefs. So um I was able to work through a, a beta test of creating new questions that might invite spiritual conversations but not in an in your face mm-hmm. way but invite people to consider the beliefs that are undergirding their everyday decisions right. and the way we'd say that is you know the beliefs and values that are guiding our everyday decisions and i was also looking at where could we get more of these conversations started co-working was still an up and coming uh, trend at the time, and this was in 2018 when I was beta testing this at the downtown Dallas WeWork, and yes. it was the largest one in Texas. It had three floors and the Thanksgiving Tower. It was buzzing. It had about yeah. a thousand members at the time. Lots of energy. Oh, it was so fun. And I was inviting people into a lunch, and we called that Conversation Matters, right? So the the luncheon had this idea of certain matters deserve a conversation, right? Some things are important enough. We should talk about them.
0: Can you give us some examples of what those topics that you would host would be? Yeah,
1: that's a good one. So the very first topic was when cultures clash, which one is right and who Mm -hmm. says, right? So looking at the clashing of values, and we, you know, sitting here December 2020, 23 yeah. we can think of a lot of global examples oh, let's sure. say there's clashing happening around the world which one's right and who says this month though we uh, our topic is how should we relate to power and authority and that's been a very fun discussion yeah. at these locations too and i can walk uh, your listeners through how we get to a how that gets to a spiritual conversation and then obviously how a gospel conversation might come about and there's some compelling reasons why i think jesus when you consider power and authority is very compelling. Right. And so maybe we can get to that at some point.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think what you're doing is incredible because it really does open it up to anybody on the table. It's uh, not intimidating based off of even just the name, you know, conversations do matter. Everyone has conversations every day of their life, unless they live under a rock, but anybody in some form and fashion is going to have conversations on the daily basis. And it is something that, I think we all need to improve on, no matter what walk of life that you're in and on, that you can be more open-minded. You can see people at other viewpoints, and I think that is so important, even just to educate yourself. Maybe it's to find a new perspective on something that you never thought about that way. Um, so I love what you guys are doing, and I've myself been a part of um, a couple different ones, and they're awesome to be able to sit on in on um when all of this took place and you began this were you nervous that this could end up in physical fights or just heated arguments at the discussion for the lunch an hour
1: That's a great question. Uh, you know, working with a time frame of lunch, yeah. right? We do, so we do this within an hour on site in these co-working spaces. Um and there's a lot of setup to that, as you experience, right? There's introductions around the table. People want to know each other, what yeah. they do for work. And I, I want that to be an added value. Sure. That there's an opportunity for people to know, oh, you do this. We can maybe do some things together and, and work together. Also, the, um, there's some introduction to the concept itself. What are we trying to get at mm-hmm. in the conversation matters? So there's, a, there's some quotes for some, from some thinkers, they help us get the right attitude. There's some video clips that usually add some humor so yeah. we can, you know, drop our guard just a little yeah. bit. We want to laugh together. We want this to be a fun, uh, you know, luncheon. And yet there's some serious things to talk about, right? right? So I always try to look for some clips that are both poignant and uh, f- humorous to some degree, right? right? I, I love having as much fun as we can in the process. And and people usually get that vibe, and they add to it a mm-hmm. lot in that situation. As much as there uh, are issues that are very serious and can, um, can become very heated, the discussion has never got there, fortunately. Um, I, I think I'm priming the pump just enough around this luncheon. Yeah. You know, after you do the introductions and video clips and set up. The discussion itself is only about 30 minutes, and I've got yeah. lots of questions to kind of keep it going. We don't always get through all those, but I want them to know there's a lot more to the topic than you probably first mm-hmm. considered when you mm-hmm. came in, so I want them to think a little bigger. Sometimes they see the question before they come in. Sometimes they don't, and I don't want it to be a ambushing them, and right, right. that's a whole other topic. I mean, the idea of people might be listening to me talk about what I'm doing, and they're like how disingenuous is that that he's throwing this lunch and he's trying to ambush people with these topics and then push his beliefs on them obviously you were part of that you and i share mm-hmm. you know the, the same christian faith that's not the heart of it the right. heart of it is to get us to think and to get us to recognize wherever our conclusions are on the topic it is connected to beliefs mm-hmm. So even a secular, non-religious worldview has beliefs, right. really big beliefs. And when you look at the things that we value the most in our society, the secular view has some holes in that. Yeah. And I mean, I I love inviting people to c- consider some of those things. When you think about human rights, mm-hmm. um, when you think about the concepts of justice and um, where does human value come from, the Judeo-Christian worldview has some very beautiful things that have, have done some great things for the world. Things didn't get that heated, fortunately. Things have not—there has been some significant disagreement, but even I've been so impressed with some people that I thought weren't going to disagree well Mm -hmm. because of some setup, easy setup things, and the attitude around the table, the way they disagreed. I was like, wow, I'm really impressed. Yeah. I know you disagree with that perspective, and yet the way that you said that was just really kind. Right. And that is just so refreshing when people right. are willing to step in, to be honest about their perspective, to wrestle um, with where some of these things they care about, maybe conflict with some other things that they care about. They're like, well, both of these things can't be true, or right. I have to make a decision about one of these things. I think it, it just benefits in so many ways, not only the individuals, but those relationships that come out of it. And that's yeah. all part of the, the effort.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. What is something for people that are not engaged with conversations matter? How is, how can people like give someone a tool, like a practical tool that people, the listeners can engage with on their everyday life, maybe to one, either strike some of these conversations to get to know people better in that way, or maybe it is to really expand their beliefs and knowledge on a certain topic or to just be more open And caring, how would you give some people some practical steps to be able to do that?
1: It's a great idea, great uh, question. I would say um, thinking about what is good in any of these categories or areas of life helps you start to define the boundaries there. So, for instance, what is a good relationship? What is good work? What is a good society? And then what is good government along that? Like, what are the boundaries to make those things work? Um, What is good? This is great. I love getting to this. What is good sexuality? Yeah. Right. In our conversation, what most people that critique the Christian view is they're like, "I, I just don't agree with the sexual ethic of Christians and how they could, you know, be against any two people that love each other. So to say, you know, good sexuality is apparently just when two people love each other. And, and yet when you look at that, we can't just be sexual with anyone, with just anyone. All of our decisions are connected to, or actually the way we view decisions as good or bad is connected to our existing relational commitments. So for instance, I'm a married man of 15 years, amazing wife. I can't be sexual with whoever I want to be. Yeah. Right. And some people say, "Well, what if you did find someone else who is really your soulmate? Well, if I was sexual with that person, who is it not good for? Well, it's not good for my wife.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not good for my kids.
0: Right.
1: Um, and even if you're single, you might have some relational commitments with uh, an existing, you know, uh, romantic relationship, and so you can't just, you know, be sexual with whoever you want to be. Um, or you might not be in any romantic relationship, but you're like, I can't be sexual with just whoever I want to be because Mm -hmm. we all might have that friend who broke up with so-and-so and and you're like, I always kind of thought so-and-so was attractive. Well, you couldn't just go be in a romantic relationship with that other person that's your friend's ex, right? right? Because of that relational commitment. Now, beyond that, it's like you always have to take into account the other person and their relational commitments, right? Um, So that's one way to start thinking about how these boundaries come about, right? Right. Um, the culture today would say uh, freedom is the, the greatest value, freedom to express yourself, freedom to pursue the things that make sure. you happy. And when you really start looking at that, that actually starts to contrast and conflict with the things that really make life meaningful, such as loving relationships, right? So one of the ways I just described that was your existing relational commitments. Yeah. I'm committed to people for their good, a.k.a. I love people, there's certain people in my life that have the stronger loving commitments towards, Mm -hmm. right. And responsibilities. Um, so that's one example and there's, you know, people might push on that you know, uh, and I'm totally open. You got to invite those conversations, but considering what are the boundaries of what is good in this topic and going to extremes, sometimes just help you paint that picture as quickly as possible. So what are the bad, what would be bad sexuality, right? Um, it's, it's not consensual. Um, you were, you're were you not in your right mind, right? So there's some substances or, or alcohol was involved in that situation. Um, there's people that regret things all the time. You're just like, I just was stupid and I wanted this person kind of like me and yet I didn't want to go that far. Like we're, So there's lots of things that start to define what is good for us mm-hmm. in that situation. And sometimes it's even after, you know, uh, some time that you start to look at that even more specifically and go, oh, wow, I thought that was okay, but, man, that was more wrong than I thought it was. Or I was trying to take advantage of so-and-so, or I just wanted what I want in that situation. Um, so what is good is starting to become clearer as you think about what are these other scenarios and who else is helping you right. think about that. So asking that question in any of these categories of life, what is good work, what's a good career, yeah. what's a good life? I mean, I love your Arnold Quote at the beginning here, you know, we're, we're talking about success. <laughs> um, what is success, right? What is the good life that we're looking for? What's the good outcome of all this energy, all these hours that we're going to be spending on things that we, you know, it's going to ask a lot of us. Right. But at the end of it all, who are we going to be? That is a fun topic to think about too. Is the idea of, um, you know, for you, Gina, you and and Josh and the team, y'all are young. You got another 30 to 40 years of, man, we're, what will that look like? And what are you going to accomplish in that time? And at the end of that time, what's your net worth? And what's your relational status? And and, and how many houses do you have? And all these other fun things. And those are all great things. But who will, who will you be at the end right. of that? And you guys are, are thinking about those questions. And so I'm, one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be a, f- a friend with y'all, because y'all are thinking in that path. You're thinking also in the – most public of spaces? How can we engage with the most honest of conversations? So the person you want to be and success may not align. It may not right. actually equal the good life that you want and why not? And uh, what's involved in that, in, in those conversations. So again, just ask what's good, right? Yeah. What's a good diet That's another one. We're in the holidays. I don't know if you overate during Thanksgiving like I did, but it's like, Hey, what is a good diet? How should I, what's, what's a good healthy rhythm, uh, exercise and things of that nature. And is that more important than, you know, these other things does diet and it have its place, but it shouldn't be priority over other things like relationship. If, if I made Uh, that more important than spending time with my Mm -hmm. wife or spending time with my kids. Yeah. Um, It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing.
0: Right. Really prioritizing all of your decisions. What good will outweigh the bad or just prioritizing those and making those top priority and thinking ahead for the future of what your life would result in based off the decisions you're currently making. Oh yeah. And obviously that's a beautiful practice for anybody to think ahead on and to make sure that they are actually creating the life that they desire, not just by default. And I think that's something that everyone should put into practice, whether whatever that life is that they want. Obviously, if they do plan it out to the best of their ability, to be able to think about the decisions that they're making to get them to the end result are going to be better if they are thought out versus just blowing with the wind.
1: Absolutely. Great point. I have a, a mentor and one of our board members who, um, he basically was sharing how he regretted not being at certain events that yeah. were meaningful to the people that he loved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very successful real estate guy, hard worker. And he was like, I should have said no to some of these other things. So right. I could have been at that event for that person. Yeah. Because they mean so much to me.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was doing good things. Right. I mean, he's not lazy by any means. It's not yeah. because he wasn't working hard. It was because he was working almost too much. He felt like he couldn't give up those things for these other situations now. And I would say he's, he's been very sacrificial in some other areas of life, but he was thinking of some specific events and going at the end of life. I want to be a part of those events Mm -hmm. with people that I love. Yeah. People that mean so much to me and I can make that happen more than I think I can. Right. And the other thing, Your earlier podcast, you were talking about doing the hardest thing first, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not just not being daunted by the hardest thing, but saying, what is the most impactful thing I can do right right now? What is the most important thing? What's the best, what's the greatest good I could do right now? Not just for the work or the project or the overall, but as me growing as a person and me being loving to Mm -hmm. other people. How can I be impactful to other people Mm -hmm. Wow. To ask that question, how could I be, I could pursue the, the greatest good. How could I pursue the most loving thing for the most important people in my life right now? Sometimes that means I got to get this done. So I keep this right. project going and it, it pays right. out and all this other stuff so I can provide. Sometimes it's, okay, I don't have to read that extra thing. I don't have to put that extra time in because I need to be there. I just need to be present. Yeah. Right. Um, but that means you have to be committed to some good things. Yeah. And have you had that Absolutely. conversation? What are those good things?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that, that right there, you, if you're listening to this episode, you should pause right there and rewind and listen to that a couple times and write those big things down really to put you on, where is the trajectory of your life going right now, even this week? Um, yeah, that was very good.
1: <laughs> well, I am, I'm trying to connect the dots to these loving relationships really mm-hmm. do add the most meaning to life and, if you don't, if hey, Caleb's just this Christian kind of, you know, pushing his worldview. I mean, Harvard says it. Yeah. So apparently you can trust Harvard over, all right, what what Jesus had to say. But Harvard's done this 80-plus-year-old study on right. this. And loving relationships is the most foundational piece. They would say committed, um, caring relationships, I believe. I can't remember the actual term that they used. But they say that's what adds to the most healthy and happiest lives is having long-term committed relationships, a.k.a. loving relationships. It's as if we're made for that,
0: right? Right. Right? And it's like,
1: okay, that's why that's, you know, Jesus said it first, right? To love God most and to love others as much as yourself. Imagine the society that would create. Imagine the families. That's exactly right. Yes. The friendships, the... The communities, right? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness.
0: Let's uh, k- keep this topic in the forefront of our minds, not not table it. But I also want to ask you, because this is something that I've seen in my own life multiple times in the last two weeks. And I had a friend call me uh, actually last week, kind of out of the blue. And he was like, you know what? I just want to check up on you. We haven't talked in a while. You're a good friend. And I thought that was not shocking and it shouldn't be. That's the weird thing. Like that's the bad thing is that that shouldn't be a shock to anybody if someone gets that phone call, but it's not a regular thing that people do anymore. So I thought it was really cool that he did that, you know, reached out out of the blue. I answered, even though they didn't shoot me a text message first. And that's kind of the day <laughs> in the age we live in. Um, I still answered. We had a great conversation, but something that continuously got brought up was am I in the right path right now? And I feel like this year alone for so many people I've talked to has just been kind of a weird year coming out of COVID. You know, a lot of people were really in the negative space financially or on a great space financially. There really wasn't anything in between. And then we kind of took this curve, getting on a high of things coming back open and, People living their normal life. And then 2023 hit and everyone is expecting a great year, I think, financially, mentally, all of this stuff. And it was just kind of like a bust for so many people. And this is something I've heard time and time again. And everyone's like, you know, am I living out what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what I am really passionate about? And there's a lot of people that aren't living in their purpose, their calling, what they're passionate about. And this is something I've heard time and time again. So as we're connecting relationships and conversations together and doing what is good, how would you connect that with someone's calling and their purpose?
1: That's a great, great question. And because some jobs are going to be more people-focused than others. Yeah. And not everyone needs to be in a job that's people-focused, right? There's an there's an element of the conversation for young professionals nowadays that f- – Um, can be misleading, that somehow there's a perfect overlap with purpose and calling and and work. Um, Again, from the Christian perspective, it says even really good work is going to be hard Mm -hmm. and it's going to be disappointing right now, right? So that's the Christian worldview. The secular worldview uh, might run from difficulty, right? Or it's the over-positive person that says, I'm going to pursue this no matter what obstacles stand in my right. way. And after they've run over people or dug themselves into a ditch, you know they're like, oh, I, I just didn't see this or I wasn't willing to admit this wasn't the path yeah. for me. So I think asking the question is important. How my wiring, right? So a secular perspective would say just, what's my personality? What is my experience, my culture, and the opportunities available? How do those Mm -hmm. kind of match up in the best way? The Christian worldview to say, uh, okay, God has made us for a purpose. That's first of all, to know him and to know his undeserved love through his son, Jesus. And then through that undeserved love, we would look to love other people when they don't deserve it. And one of the ways we do that is through our work. So often we don't even know the things that we're good at until someone tells us. Yeah, We just kind of do those things. We're like, yeah, I just, I mean, I just find myself always doing those things. And other people that experience that goodness, like, do you know how good you are at that? That is just incredible how you, you know, knock out that work and how thoughtful it is or whatever that mm-hmm. that that task is, that kind of work is. And people kind of stumble into it as they just go and do. And so I think for someone wrestling wrestling, Uh, with that question, am I going down the right path? Know this, their experiences will benefit them whatever change will come into the future, right? Whatever direction um, from the Christian perspective that God is guiding you is going to benefit. I had a very eclectic work background. I I appreciate all that Mm because it helps me engage other people well, love them well, understand a bigger picture of how things are done. I I think it helps... I think it gives me a more grateful attitude with where I am and the opportunities I have, but also grateful for the people that help make things possible because yeah. <laughs> I know what it takes to make certain things happen. And it takes really great teams or these people here and just to appreciate everyone at every level doing these great things. So whatever someone's experienced in 2023 to say, man, I don't know if there's a change ahead. Just to say, hey, the things that you've learned and experienced is going to help you in the future. Mm-hmm. So if you apply yourself, and that's true too. Yes, don't you can't just say, oh, it's out there, and I don't know what you'd have to rely on to to just think it's going to happen for you. R- rely on your uh, relational collateral somewhere. Rely rely on you know I don't know family money or investors. In some ways, you do have to apply yourself to go. Hey, I want to do good work for the sake of. good of those around me. Mm -hmm. And when, when you do that, you actually find greater fulfillment yourself, right? Um, when you know you're doing good work, that's benefiting other people. That's one of the deepest sense of satisfaction we could probably find.
0: Yeah.
1: So asking questions, all right, what is good? What, why am I not, um, fully satisfied right now? Is it just the reality of this year? So in another sense, the younger you are in the workforce, the more you just haven't experienced hard times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's okay
1: yeah. to say, is this just a hard year? Right. And I could see if things change, um, I still want to be doing what I'm doing. Or is it like, I don't know, maybe I can pivot and do some similar things in a different space that's not as mm-hmm. vulnerable. Some of us like the vulnerability and because it's the riskiness that has great reward for us. Some people are risk averse and through these different economic changes, political changes, um, even global changes, there's opportunity for us to see where we can add value in whatever space we're in. Sometimes it's a brand new space. We're like, Oh, I never thought about applying this strategy into this other space, this other industry. So there's ways to create, um, opportunity yeah. together. I think what's really great with your conversation with your friend is that you are wanting to think through that together. Yeah. And you yeah. kind of, I don't know if y'all are in similar industries. I don't know if y'all were in very different industries, but to talk about the changes within your industry um, and even think about yours and Josh's connections, how y'all even got connected to move together with Bolt. And there's just some like-mindedness that right. happens there. There's some push and some pull, some seeing how you compliment each other, and you just go, let's go do this. Yeah. Let's go make this happen. And sometimes you have an opportunity to, to do that. And sometimes you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be fully satisfied in what I do for work because I'm valuing these relational connections more. I see a lot of people that say, I'd rather be close to family. I'd rather be close mm-hmm. to this community. Some people saying they're, they're spiritual community, they're Christian community. They're like, I can commit here. And for us to do something together as a community, which means I'm not going to have the coolest job that I want, but I can have a pretty good job and I can be really faithful as a friend, as a husband, as a father. Um, And that is a really good life. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if somehow we've got to a place that we just discount. If you're not doing the coolest job um, and it, it scratches all the itches, it fulfills you in all the ways, somehow you're not in the right place. Um, sometimes really good work is just hard. Sometimes there's certain uh, circumstances beyond your control that are just going to make it even harder. Yeah. Um, These last three years have shown a lot of that, right? Yeah.
0: No, I think that is a really good reality check because it's not about every day is going to be just like floating on cloud nine at your workplace. There is... Definitely hard days, even when you are living out your passion and what your purpose is and what your calling is. And even on that path, there are for sure hard times. Um, I wanted to ask you a question based off of leadership. But as I'm thinking about this, you have three young boys at home and you have this platform of conversation matters. How does that result in your daily life? And leadership within the next generation of getting your kids or maybe it's a niece or nephew if you're not a parent or maybe it's, you know, a goddaughter, godson, someone that's just around you that is younger than yourself. How can we be having these conversations in our home as parents or just the younger next generation around us? What are some things that we can be talking about and having those conversations, those good thinking conversations on for the next generation and to help them to start thinking ahead for the next generation.
1: That's so good. I would think, um, honestly, in pursuit of this effort of creating robust discussions that are respectful, and allow for disagreement, I've learned to get better at receiving views that are uh, that I disagree with. Sometimes yeah. very, very different views and very uh, on issues that I care deeply about. And so I've become uh, much more um, trained <laughs> with, you know, these skills I'm learning all the time. And that's helped me in my marriage. I think that's helped me uh, with my boys yeah. because I've probably, I definitely came from this perspective. I'm going to tell people what they should think and what they. They believe and honestly, most of my relationships cared about what I had to say, whether they actually did it. They're like, yeah, I'm open to what you have to say. I think, um, asking good questions just leads to much better place Mm -hmm. because I might've been thinking, um, oh, they care about this thing the most, which is why that's what's motivating their decision. And really to ask a question to go, what do you think you cared about most in that situation? helps me understand them better. Right. Right. And it helps me understand my sons better. And I get to, t- to ask them, Hey, what do you think is a good question we should ask in this situation? Right. Or what should you ask your brother when that happened? Rather than assuming where they were coming from. <laughs> yeah. Ask the question, Hey, you did this. Why did you, why did you do that? What did you really want from me in that situation? I hope that benefits them long term. Um, you know, sometimes I can do that in ways to my wife. And she's like, hey, I'm not having any of that. Don't give me that 21 questions thing. You're, <laughs> you're just trying to, you know, uh, manip- manipulate the situation. And really, sometimes I might. I'm not even seeing that. But some most of the time, I'm, I'm not. And yet, I know questions can still be threatening to yeah. some degree yeah. from certain people, right? Some of us, our parents asking us questions can feel like, That feels threatening more than open and inviting. So there's a way that you even think about the questions that you ask that are receptive. If it's a question and always a rebuttal or a question and always a redirection, then that's not very genuine as far as curious Mm -hmm. about that person's perspective. So asking genuine question, asking more follow-up and going, how does that really influence you further in, in where you're going with that?
0: Yeah,
1: Man, to even be curious about the people you know the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild mm-hmm. to go?
1: What if I really to love them? Because it's not like we know the depths of ourselves, let alone the depths of the people we care about the most,
0: right.
1: and our motivations and how mixed those motivations can be at times. But to be curious about why, and I, I think I got this through just counseling. Yeah, <laughs> my my wife and I've been to to marriage counseling and to really be thinking through. Golly, I don't want to be a jerk to my wife. Why did I say it that way? Or why did I push it that way? And so thinking about that with all those relationships helps me think about the next generation of engaging well, trying to discover what are the things that the next generation cares about the most. And
0: what have you noticed? Like, what are some practical examples of conversations mm-hmm. we've been had within the last week or month with your three boys?
1: Yeah. Um, Man, that's a I mean, good, that's even a that's good question. Like,
0: say if they come home from school, yeah. Like, what's a good conversation starter that you've noticed that has kind of allowed them to open up to you more?
1: You know, some, I don't know in the last couple of weeks, I don't know if I've had a question that has just opened them up the most. Sometimes it's just having enough of those on the regular rhythm. So for yeah. instance, in the, at dinner, very fortunate, I get to have dinner with my family almost every night of the week. Um, it's actually rarer that I have an evening thing and that might change in the future. And I think, but sewing in this time of, what did you do today? Who did you play with? Uh, was there anything sad or disappointing about today? Being open about that stuff um, that gives them a space and they know it's normal to talk about some of those right. things. Um, you know, I did ask my sixth grader, we were going to youth group. He's at that age, he's going to youth group at church and he's got some friends that's from school that have been around Christianity before and they were going to youth group with him. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, what do you want your friends to experience going with you to, to youth group? And he goes, man, I just really want them to know God's love, that God loves them so much through Jesus. And I was like, that is a great question because, you know, we can invite our friends to things just because we like being with them Right. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But for him to say, you know what, I hope that, the Bible story that's shared is very specific about how much God loves us. I just yeah. want my friends to know that. And he knows he can share that too, but he wants their experience at his church to say like that's the message from his church. Yeah. Is that God loves us when we don't deserve it. Um I thought yeah. that was really fun awesome. to hear from him and to see his his focus on his friends' good, his focus on what they would experience. Mm-hmm. And he actually he asked some great questions. Um, that I'm, I'm so grateful. I think that's just a result of his mom and me at trying to ask good questions yeah. of them too. I don't know if that fully helps, but the things maybe that we can start thinking of the next generation, we can think for ourselves or what were the things that happened today that, that brought us alive, that made us think the most, the deepest, that made us maybe the angriest. Sometimes mm-hmm. those things get to what are the things we're caring about the most in the moment, right? Sometimes we get angry for bad reasons, right? right. But there's an appropriate time to get angry, yeah. right? When there's an injustice,
0: Yeah.
1: when there's a wrong committed, but how we act out of that anger is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think asking questions and, and being very open to learn from each other is really important Absolutely. To, to deepen to invite them to think it is, it's a uh, Socratic method, right? He, and it's a very Jewish way of thinking too. Jew, uh, rabbis would ask questions and it, oh, man, I've just learned so much from that process. I'm, my mind must engage when I'm asked a thoughtful question. And the more I can do that with others, the better the relationship is, the more sure. we can work together. Uh, and there's more mutual benefit yeah, all around.
0: Absolutely. And outside of having that conversation with the next generation, what are some practical questions, like your go-to questions, that people, whether it's your peers, older people, younger people, whatever it is, what are some of your go-to questions? Because I know even within your conversations matters. You have obviously your topic, and then you kind of have some thinking questions based off of that topic that you can really start gaining conversation from and really maybe challenging your own belief. And I think that's so healthy. Like, I think that is so healthy to be able to challenge your belief. I know that a lot of my beliefs are not the same, what they were 10 years ago, whatever. And I don't think, you know, I think, I think if you just grow up with the same belief that you did when you were a child, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right belief. So I think it is very, I think it's very healthy to challenge your beliefs. Um, and just to nonetheless grow your mind within that. So, what are some of those maybe triggering conversations that anybody can use, whether it's in their workplace, with their neighbors, with their in their relationship, just to be able to open up a free flowing conversation to someone that typically isn't open to conversating.
1: That's that's good. I would uh, I would just echo what you're saying that the idea of just living off of some childhood belief system, whether that was religious or non-religious, really needs to be challenged, right? Um, Now, the language that's used nowadays is this deconstruction, right? This Mm -hmm. deconstruction of faith. Um, There can be a deconstruction that doesn't have to lead you away from your faith. And I think one of the questions I like to consider is what is good for humans? Mm -hmm. So one of the most practical things we kind of land or areas that we land in after conversation matters is basically your beliefs about what a human is for will is going to lead you to what is good in the situation right okay. your ethics your morals are connected to your beliefs about your meaning in life yeah you d- in purpose you don't know if something's good or bad unless you know what that thing is for yeah. right this microphone is good because it amplifies my voice and it connects to the system it's got to create to right I wouldn't judge this microphone on whether it, it, it massages my back, right, or, or gives me a foot massage while we're talking because that's not what a microphone is or if, if it holds props open the door for us correctly. Yeah. It's meant for something, and I judge it as good or bad based on its intended purpose. So when is a human bad? Right. <laughs> what, what is the good life, right? It's, there's general questions there that humans are for things— Um, and for a purpose. And yet then there can be more specific things. What is good for me may be different for you, Gina, right? So you're a woman, I'm a man, there's some differences there. Um, There's some things about your background experience is going to limit you in some activities or some things in my background experience that's going to limit what's good for me, what I can watch, where I can participate. Again, my relational commitments currently. So Those things can become more subjective, but there's a general idea of what is good for humans Mm -hmm. that gives us our ethical code and also creates a shared idea of justice, right? People shouldn't be treated this way. That's, well, says who? We've got to have a shared understanding of what people are for, for that to work and play out in a society. Yeah. So. Uh, what are people for is one of those that kind of lands in that space. Um, The direction that they want, the life that they want. Those are other questions. Do you think you're, you're moving that direction, right? That, that idea of what success looks like. And do you think that the person you want to be will be produced on that path Mm -hmm. of the success and the good life that you want? Uh, Do you think that's leading you to a more loving person? And do you think that's a a valuable trait for you to have, right? Whenever you get to the conversation of love, you you gotta think of, well, who's your who's your teacher on how to love better?
0: Yeah.
1: Even the world religions go to Jesus on that. They're like, Well, Jesus has some really good things about love. Yeah. I don't know a better teacher on love. Uh, our conversation matters this month on power and authority. I don't know anyone that used their power and authority better. Than Jesus, right? Because he used it out of love, right? And that's the whole Christmas story, right? That he came. The Philippians two passage says that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he uh, humbled himself, put on human flesh, right? That's the incarnation. That's the the Christmas story. So he humbled himself in that way, but he also humbled himself on the cross, right? The the only innocent man ever walked to earth. He died on behalf of others, right? So this idea of power and authority, all power and authority,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he used for the sake of others, for the goodness of others, out of love for us. Not that we deserve yeah. it, but that we actually we didn't deserve it. So those types of things, the um, the love conversation in the in the life and people that grow up in the Western context, we are uh were so influenced by the Judeo-Christian view on these things. And even the critique uh, everyone has had in the conversation matters on the topic of power and authority. Like, well, how do we critique those mm-hmm. in power and authority and how do we want them to use their power and authority? And it all came back to ideas like selflessness. We want people with power and authority to use it in selfless ways or to use it for the good of those around them.
0: Right.
1: When you think about human history, why in the world would anyone give up their power? Yeah. That That's ludicrous. Yeah. That's, that's usually death in most situations. But something happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus stepped on the scene that human societies would start to question, oh, wait, maybe I should use my power and authority for the good of others, right? In one sense, the the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish kings of the past would uh, show glimpses of that, right? Because the God of the Bible is the God of love, but Jesus fully expresses it and changed whole societies that valued people no matter their gender or ethnicity no matter their socioeconomic status no matter their physical and mental capabilities Mm -hmm. but they were loved and valued because they were humans
0: right
1: and that therefore all humans should value one another and should um should use whatever power and authority they have for the goodness and the flourishing of others right
0: absolutely now that
1: plays into work that plays into relationships that plays in our money um And I don't know. That's good news. No,
0: that's a beautiful way to like package it all and come back to the root of the actual cause essentially of why we do the things that we do, how people are fueled and why people are fueled and why they make the decisions that they make. So that was beautifully said.
1: Well, I hope your listeners, you know, no matter where they stand, you know, there's all these books on servant leadership in the workplace and you know, doing other centered, um, work, right. Doing things that give back. Like those are good things, but I just want you to consider why in the world should we do those things? And Jesus has something really beautiful to say about that. And for you to consider, especially during this this Christmas season, the God of the universe has declared. He loves us when we don't deserve it. That doesn't come from any other worldview. It comes from Jesus. And, um, he's worth considering. And if, if you were to, experience that, to really trust in that truth of God's undeserved love, man, it might change the way you think about your work. It Mm -hmm. might change the way you think about success. It might change the way you think about even the disappointment you might be experiencing through this year and going, is this the right place for me? But man, I know if I stay here, it's going to benefit X, Y, and Z and these other people around me. Maybe I can stick it out and maybe God could Use even those disappointing things, yeah. right, for the for my good and the good of those around me. Yeah. I don't know what that might look like for people, but man, that's a that's a world changing idea that I hope Absolutely. people wrestle with.
0: Absolutely, no, and that's so good to be reminded of, even for myself on a daily basis. You know, because there's definitely hard days and the times when you want to quit, even if it is good work that you're doing. But if you can just captivate that idea and live based off of that idea. It'll rock your world for sure. That's right. Thank you for sharing that. Let's go ahead and jump into the jar question real quick. Let's go. If you don't mind opening that up, pulling out the green piece of paper, reading that, and then answering it to the best of your ability.
1: All right. So the question is, if you could have an uninterrupted conversation with one celebrity or wise person, who would it be and why? Man, I've gone back and forth with these kinds of questions. It's so hard to just say, um, one person for me, I used to, uh, think celebrity wise, Tom Hanks would be up there. Um, and Will Smith at one point would be up yeah. there. And I think I would still want to have a conversation with Will maybe more now than ever. Um, uh, celebrity,
0: that would, be, that would be a fun one. <laughs> right. I like maybe
1: more now than ever to say, yeah. I would love to hang out with Will Smith and ask more questions right. about, all of, all that went down a year or two ago. Uh, one celebrity. Okay. And I mentioned two. Um, gosh, I'm terrible at these one-person things. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say Tom Hanks. I would love to have a conversation Why? with Tom Hanks. He has such a funny background. I was thinking about him today, uh, how much his comedy was physical comedy back in the day, but now he's just this... He might be the most likable and trusted person uh, in Hollywood. He, he doesn't just go out there with uh, his political views. So this, in one sense, I know he cares about some things deeply. He's done some projects that have uh, been connected to things that he cares about. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of some of the things he's done with Spielberg, um, like Band of Brothers and um, you know Saving Private Ryan, things of that nature. So I would would want to know what makes him click, where he feels like he's stifled to move in the directions that he really cares about. It feels like he's always having to protect a brand, right? Right. In one sense, I want people to be likable and yet be themselves, not have to fake it. And yet there's always going to be a view that is not popular.
0: Yeah. I always have that question too in the back of my mind and people that are genuinely good people, why they feel the need to be such a good person, especially if they are publicly known as not a Christian or not being religious, mm-hmm. which is fine. Religion doesn't make you yeah. live by those morals. But if you're not a Christian and you don't have like a higher power of authority to look up to and mm-hmm. to answer to essentially then why do you feel such the need to be such a good person? Like for me, I've always wanted to sit down and have a conversation with Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is not publicly known as a Christian. Like he'll tell you, he's like, I don't really know what I believe in. Well, if you don't know what you believe in, why do you do the things such as like giving back to the community on a regular basis, whatever. It's just interesting to me. Like totally. Why?
1: One of the young guys in the conversation matters today was talking about, you know, why would anyone give up their power? And Mm -hmm. he was saying, well, to make the world a better place. So he has an understanding that if you give if someone gives up their power and authority for the good of others, it will make the world a better place. But why?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, where
1: did he get that idea? Yeah. Right, for some people who give up their power and authority, it might mean death for them. Right. <laughs> right? right. It might mean destitution or um but at some point in human history that had to start happening so much so that whole societies now critique anyone yeah. in power authority. Um, in that way and so you're right there's an element of yeah. why would you want to be that kind of person why do we all agree that that's a good person
0: right yeah Yeah. that's so interesting well Caleb thank you so much this has been so fun I feel like anytime I join into a conversation matters or even just have a conversation with you for that matter uh, that I will think on things for hours after leaving the conversation and I truly feel fulfilled or like have growth in that time frame, and I think that's very fulfilling for anybody when they are growing. So, thank you for sitting down and sharing your perspectives and insight and patterns on being able to ask certain questions and just give a deeper meaning to people that they can apply to their own lives. So,
1: well, so kind of you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, real quickly, tell people where they can find you at because I'm sure people are going to want to know how they can get engaged. Um, maybe they work at a co-working space that you can tap into their market there or yeah. maybe they just want to sit in on one or they have questions for you that you yourself so where can they find you totally um
1: collaborategood.org is our website and on our conversation matters page you can find the dates and locations we'd love for you to visit uh, obviously register so we'll know that you're coming and that you're not a part of that location if you are a co-working member somewhere and you're interested in starting these conversations um, Let's connect too. So all the contact information is on the website and uh, would love to start more, uh, you know, conversation matters around the city.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're so important. I love what you're doing there. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Electric Theory Podcast. If you don't already, go ahead and follow us on social media, on Instagram, at Electric theory Pod, And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this channel on wherever you listen to your podcast at. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.
1: It was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, fuck around, have a good life.